the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. By Kettering Baptist Church. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. I want to invite your attention to 2 Samuel chapter 9. We'll begin at verse number 1. The word of the Lord reads, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And so when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Mekur, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then the king David sent and brought him out of the house of Mekur, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said to Mephibosheth, and he answered and said, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. So then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look Upon such a dead dog as I. And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that you, my lord, the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah and all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. This passage of scripture from Second Samuel chapter 9 is the beginnings of 
the transition of kingship from King Saul to King David. The courting of it all goes from chapter 9 through chapter 20. In this discourse, what you'll find is the process of David establishing his kingdom as the people transition from being under the leadership of King Saul. Saul was the people's choice. He was tall, handsome, strong. The people said to God, God, we want a king just like the other nations. So they chose their own king, King Saul. The problem with Saul was that Saul had no respect for God, for the laws of God. He had no obedience to the ways of God. Saul was a renegade, if you will. Saul did what he wanted to do. He thought he could step in and even act in the role of the priest. And, and even when God had told him, utterly destroy all of the nation, he said, now nah, I'm going to hold some of this for myself. Saul thought he could do what he wanted to do. But every king needs to know that there's a king higher than him. And so by the time we get to chapter 9, Saul has been killed. Jonathan has been killed. They've taken the young son of Jonathan Mephibosheth and run away with him to get him out of the way of destruction. And by the time we get here, David is now transitioning into his kingship. And the first act of David as king is he wants to show somebody from the house of Saul the kindness of God. I want to talk on this morning from the subject matter. The king wants to show you kindness. David is in a position where he has made a covenant with Jonathan, Jonathan whom he loved, Jonathan who protected him. And now that Jonathan has been killed and Saul has been killed, David just wants to know, is there anybody left of the house of Saul? Because I've got a covenant to keep. I've got to bless somebody in the house of Saul. I want to help somebody here this morning that David's not the first king that had a covenant to keep. There's another king I need to talk to you about on today as I parade through the, the story of David. I need you to understand that the king of kings has a covenant that he wants to keep. And the king of kings, his name is Jesus. The king of kings wants to know, is there anybody left that I can show kindness to? Kindness of God. David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul. His name was Ziba. So when Ziba had come, they called him and David called and asked him the same question. He says, is there still yet anybody left of the house of Saul whom I may show the kindness of God to? And Ziba said, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. When the king wants to show kindness, your father doesn't matter. See, this child was the son of Jonathan, but he was the grandson of Saul. Can I talk to you today to let you know it doesn't matter who your grandfather was. It doesn't matter who your daddy was. When the king wants to show you kindness, he just wants to show you kindness. Doesn't matter if your daddy was an alcoholic. Doesn't matter if your mama never went to church. Doesn't matter what your family history was. It doesn't matter what your past is. When the king wants to show kindness, he's just looking for somebody that he can show the kindness of God to. 
Come help. I'm trying to talk to us right here because I want you to understand something. Your past doesn't matter when the king wants to show you kindness. Doesn't matter how lame you are in both feet when the king wants to show you kindness. Because the reality of it is, when I look at this picture theologically, every single one of us came into the world lame in both feet. Pastor, what you talking about? I'm trying to help you to see that when we came into the world, none of us had the ability to walk in the righteousness of God. But if it had not been for the kindness of the king, we would still be lame in both feet. We would still be walking the way we used to walk. And even though some of you have been blessed to be delivered from it, you still walk in the same way. But it ain't because the king didn't show you kindness. When the king wants to show you kindness, it doesn't matter what your past looks like. As we look into our past, some of our past doesn't make us look like qualified candidates to be blessed by God. Some of our past is hurtful. Some of our past is ugly. Some of us were whoremongers. Some of us were thieves. Some of us were liars. Some of us might have even been murderers. Some of us have been abused. Some of us have been misused. Some of us, our parents gave us up for adoption. Some of us have been through abortion. Some of us have been through maltreatment. We've been through all kind of stuff, but it doesn't matter what your past is. Your past doesn't matter when the king wants to show you kindness. Because he's a covenant-keeping God. Yes, he is. He's a way-maker. And he made a way where there was no way. How did he do it? He done it because he's a miracle worker. Why did he do it? He does it because he's a promise keeper. Yes, Lord. He does what he says he's going to do. Yes, he will. He said, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'll bring you out in your time of struggle when the king wants to bless you. The king wants to show you kindness. But your past, it doesn't matter. Mephibosheth, your past doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that your, your grandfather was Saul and Saul chased me down, tried to kill me, threw spears at me, wanted me dead, tracked me all over the country, trying to wipe me out. Doesn't matter. Because you would think that if, if you were coming into kingship and it was this grandson of the person that tried to kill you, you wouldn't want to show that person kindness. But the image in this picture is that your past doesn't matter when the king wants to show you kindness. So, the king said, Ziba, where is he? Where is Mephibosheth, the one who's lame in both feet? The one whom I may show kindness to today. Where is he now? Ziba said, he's in the house of Mekir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Lodabar means the place of no hope. It is the place of no pastures. Where is Mephibosheth? Where is the one whom the Lord is looking for to show kindness? She's in a place of no hope. He's in the place of no pasture. They're in the place where they don't believe there's no hope of a future. Because of all they've been through and all they've seen and all they've analyzed and all they've determined about God. When the king wants to show you kindness, it doesn't matter what your past is. It also doesn't matter where you're present.
Mephibosheth right now is in Lodabar. He's in the place of no hope. He's in the place where because he's lame in both feet, he can't walk. He can't take care of himself. He will be disqualified for being priest. Nobody will want him to be the king, even though he had a kingly succession. He would have been disqualified from all that. In fact, he should have been destined for destruction because everybody of Saul's lineage should have been destroyed so that there'd be no threats to the kingdom of David. But yet look at God in the middle of all that, even though right now in the middle of where he is right now in Lodabar, the king still says, I want to go there and I want to bless him and show him kindness. Where you are today, I want you to hear this. God wants to show you kindness. Even where you are right now. Listen, listen. Some of our right nows, our right nows look like I'm self-sustaining. I have a good government job. I have a good contractor's position. I got a good retirement pension. It looks like you got it all together. But the fact that you got it all together, you got your hair fried, dyed, laid to the side. You got all that going on. You got your nails matching your toes. You got your pinky rings and toe rings. You got everything all blended and, and, and splendid. doesn't matter because the reality of it is just because you look good on the outside doesn't mean that you ain't toe up on the inside. Some folk, they cover up on the outside to, to cover the pain that's on the inside. And we look at them and we say, oh, they always looking good. They always got it together. That's on the outside. But the king knows what's going on on the inside. The king knows you cry yourself to sleep at night. The king knows that you don't know where your next meal is coming from. The king knows they're about to repossess your car. They're about to put you out of your house. The king knows all about that. But he still, even in your right now mess, wants to show you kindness. Verse 5. So the king sent and brought him out of the house of Mekur, the son of Amiel, out of Lodabar. Is there anybody here today who has had enough of living at Mekur's house? And you're ready for the king to call you out. The king, King David, sends for Mephibosheth and calls him out of load the bar. You know what the problem with a whole lot of us is? When the king calls, we don't want to leave. Well, God, I done got kind of comfortable. I mean, this bed ain't that hard. I mean, why I want to live in all that big old house with four bedrooms and it's only eight of us. I'm kind of comfortable in this two-bedroom apartment where the water only drips in sometimes and the hot water does get cold most of the time, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay right here. It's the problem. It's not that the king is not calling you out. It's just that you won't come. But the king wants to show you kindness. He wants to show you favor. He wants to call you out of your low to bar. He wants to call you out of your situation. He wants to call you out of your mess. And even right now, he's speaking to you saying, come out of your situation. Come out of your presence because I want to show you high and blessed favor. The question is, are you going to come when he calls? Your past doesn't matter to the king. He still wants to show you kindness. Your present doesn't matter. He still wants to show you kindness. Here's something, I'll say this really quick. Sometimes because we evaluate ourselves in our present state, we tell God whether or not we are qualified to receive the blessing that he wants for us. 
I want you to imagine for a moment that God decides to show you favor and he sends your boss to you and says, you know what? You've been working hard. You've been doing your job. You're doing what you're supposed to do. We want to promote you and we want to promote you to this executive position, even though you haven't finished college, even though you've never been to school, we want to put you in this position. Most, most folk, they would start stuttering and stammering and would probably say, I'm not qualified to take that role. And, and watch this. When the, when the king has offered you the favor, you say, well, no, nah, that's too much. That's too much responsibility. I don't want to be responsible for people. I'm okay with my little GS2. And then after you decline, they bring some other dummy in who don't know nothing, and now they're your boss. But, but it wasn't because God didn't offer you the opportunity. And guess what? The kindness of God it blows the imagination because he will put you in places you ain't supposed to be. He'll do it. Doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter what your present is. So don't, don't disqualify yourself because of your present condition. God doesn't care about your present condition. He just wants to, he wants to know, is there anybody left I can show kindness to? Here we go. So now Mephibosheth comes, son of Jonathan comes. He came to David. Look at what he does. He fell on his face, prostrated himself, and then David said to Mephibosheth, he said, he answered and he says, here is your servant. Now, your past doesn't matter when the king wants to show you kindness. Your present doesn't matter when the king wants to show you kindness. But your prostrate position does matter when the king wants to show you kindness. When Mephibosheth was called to the king, he prostrated himself. Watch this. He positioned himself to show reverence to God. Here's where we get stuck. When the king comes, you've got to acknowledge him as king. You can't be going around and saying, I got lucky. No, you got to give the glory to the one who showed up to give it. You've got to position yourself in the position so that God can get the glory out of the situation. He prostrated himself, laid down, face down before the king to honor and reverence the king who was getting ready to bless him. Here's where we get it all twisted. We sit up in church like God owe us a favor. We got our arms crossed, our leg crossed, like we saw. You ain't nobody without Jesus. If it had not been for the Lord who is on your side, you wouldn't be here today. But God did it. He's the one. He's the one we ought to fall down on our face to. He's the one we ought to get up on our feet and clap. He's the one we ought to get up and wave our hands. This whole worship ain't about you. It ain't about me. It's about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we've got to position ourselves. I declare, if God had more worshiping people, he could bless them a whole lot better. And you get mad at somebody else because God blessing them. Well, they giving him all the glory that's due his name. They position themselves to get the blessing from God. Because when the praises go up, the blessings come down. Maybe the reason why you haven't got your blessing is because you haven't given them no praise yet. Mephibosheth got in position, prostrated himself before the king. And listen to what he said. He said, here is your servant. He came with a right attitude before the king. King, I came to serve, not to get. Mephibosheth prostrated himself 
analyzed himself, categorized himself as a servant. I'm a servant of you, king. I'm a servant. I know my position, servant. And so David says to him, don't be afraid, don't be fearful, for I will surely show you kindness for your Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread continually at my house. I already know I got a few witnesses in the house that know that God can do it. You may have thought you lost this in your divorce settlement. You might have thought you lost this when you lost your job. You might have thought you lost this when they repossessed your house. But I know I got a few witnesses in the house that can say, God can give it back to you. He can restore it all. And David the king said, I'm going to give you everything back. Not just that your daddy lost. I'm going to give you everything that your granddaddy lost. And in Mephibosheth, you going to sit at the king's table like a son of the king. All the days of your life. Why? Because I want to show you kindness. Why would God do what he does? Only because he wants to show you kindness. Only because he loves you so much. Only because he wants to pour out on you all the favor that he has. And he wants to show you kindness, but it doesn't have anything to do with your past. Doesn't have anything to do with your present. But it has something to do with your prostrate position. Listen to what Mephibosheth says. Who am I? Why are you looking on such a dead dog as I? Mephibosheth likened himself, one, unto a a Gentile, calls himself a dog, but he likened himself unto the lowest position that was least worthy of anything that the king had to offer. And he wants to know, king, why are you considering me? Can I help us here? When King Jesus looked out over the generations... He looked on a people who could not save themselves. And it might be some appreciative saints in the house who would say, I don't know why he saved me. I I know I didn't deserve it. I know I wasn't worthy of it. Matter of fact, I wasn't even looking for him. He came looking for me. Because when the king wants to show you kindness, he'll do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, when and where he wants to do it. I'm so glad that the king looked out over generations and saw we couldn't do this thing by ourselves. And he decided, I'm going to send my son, my only son, Jesus, who is the Christ, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's going to show kindness to this generation of people whose lives are messed up, who are engaged in sinful behavior and activity. And while they're still sinners, I'm sending my son to die for them. Why? Because I want them to eat at my table like sons and daughters. The greatest kindness that God ever showed was when he sent his son to die in our place. When he allowed sinful man to whip him, beat him, crucify him, nail him to a cross, and he bled until he couldn't bleed anymore. Until all sin was paid for. Every lie, every cheat, every whoremonger, every drunk, every witchcraft, every one of our sin, every covetous attitude, every negative attitude, every wayward person, every cheater, every robber. He died and shed blood until all the debt was paid. He showed his kindness 
to us all. And then he said, is there anybody left? After he saved the Old Testament saints, is there anybody left? After he saved the New Testament saints, is there anybody left? After he did it all, is there anybody left that I can show kindness to? Pastor, I messed up my finances, doesn't matter. I messed up in my marriage, it doesn't matter. Pastor, I'm, I'm a mess right now, doesn't matter. He just wants to know, is there anybody he can show kindness to? Praise the Lord. You've been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-574-3515. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence. Almost every day, we continue to hear the devastating news from many countries inside of Africa. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.